Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here, and welcome to episode 1772 of EO Fire, where I chat with entrepreneurs on fire seven days a week. Knock over that domino. Start your chain reaction of awesome with the Freedom Journal, Fire Nation. Now let's chat with today's featured guest, Daniel Fagella. Daniel, are you prepared to ignite... Oh, John, I am more than ready to ignite. I'm yes. glad to be here, brother. Dan is the founder of TechEmergence.com, which is a media and market research firm to spread the global conversation around the applications and implications of artificial intelligence with the eventual goal of informing global policy. Tech Emergence is funded by the sale of his multi-million dollar e-commerce business, ScienceOfSkill.com. Dan, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. Yeah. Um, so the, as uh, as mentioned, artificial intelligence is what I'm, I'm knuckled down and focused on and really has been my life goal for the last five years. But, um, you know, science of skill is is maybe something that I think will resonate with a lot of folks in this this audience. That was a business kind of built around a personal skill. So I imagine a lot of the people tuned in are you know, they, they teach something online or they coach folks online. I know you do a good deal of that. Science of Skill was basically me teaching self-defense and martial arts on the internet um, and grew that out to a whole bunch of instructors other than myself so that it could be something saleable. So kind of an internet marketing fellow who is using that as a method to bootstrap a technology venture. Well, Fire Nation, if you're recognizing Dan's voice, it's because he rocked the mic. We were just talking about this in the pre-interview chat almost a thousand episodes ago exactly. In fact, it was more like a thousand and sixty episodes ago, uh, so that's a lot of fun. If you want to hear his backstory, you know we talked a lot about science of skill and some other things. Definitely go check out that episode, episode seven hundred and eleven. But today, Dan, we're going to talk about a few different things. But before we get into that, what would you say right now your area of expertise is? Is it specifically artificial intelligence? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, the, the I do so many interviews in the AI domain that sort of the near-term future of the implications of AI in business is certainly a domain of expertise. But I think in terms of uh, just getting through the sale of the e-commerce company, I would definitely say automation and dashboards for kind of online sales is probably an, an area where whether I like it or not, I was forced to, to, get, uh, to get good at that stuff. So I think that's kind of my bag. Well, something that we don't know about AI that we probably should as entrepreneurs? Yeah. You know, the good news is, John, I actually get asked this a lot on sort of like the smaller business or internet marketing world. Um, fortunately, right now, there's not too much that folks in the small business world are going to have to um, sort of move and adapt with with respect uh, to AI. For some people, this might be relevant. I'll give you a fact that the closest this is going to come to our world or sort of the internet marketing world uh, in the near term is companies with a lot of very high volume that sell almost entirely online where every customer interaction is trackable. Um, these are going to be the companies that will sort of be the first uh, to adapt AI. So if, you're, if your business is under like 20 million bucks um, and or you sell extremely high ticket stuff or you sell services, you're less likely to be leveraging artificial intelligence uh, in marketing. But if you grow a, a very large e-commerce store, 
um, in order to sort of do the personalization recommendation and dialed in sales of the big boys like the Amazons, um, eventually AI will have to be adapted. Fortunately, though, uh, not something most of, of your audience has to, has to uh, right. be nervous about today. Um, but that's that's kind of as close as the impacts are going to come in the next maybe two, three years to, to the world of, of IM and e-commerce. All right, we're going to shift the conversation a little bit. In Fire Nation, we're going to be talking a little bit about bootstrapping to start because you know, Fire Nation, not everybody's goal should be to, you know, get a seed round, to find an angel investor, take on millions and millions of dollars. Um, that can be some people's goal, and that's fine, but it shouldn't be everybody's goal because, you know, let's be honest, there are some negatives um, as well as positives to doing that. There's, there's both sides of the equation. So, Dan, for those people that are looking to bootstrap, how can you bootstrap a Silicon Valley tech venture without actually raising money? Yeah, and this is, um, you know, this is something that I think will translate for folks who have no aspirations to be out here in the the Bay Area. I was an East Coast guy, New England, I think, kind of like yourself, John. Uh, and um, sort of, like you said, there's there's cons to raising money. Um, I think the important thing in terms of bootstrapping, whether you want to bootstrap for the sake of going to Silicon Valley and, and funding a tech venture, which is what I did, or whether you want to bootstrap so that you can sell the business and, I don't know, move to Florida or something, whatever you want to do. Well, maybe Puerto uh, Rico. Yeah, okay, that's a good call. Good call, yeah. <laughs> played out these days. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the, the same sort of basic tenets apply. Again, my goal was I wanted to move to the, the San Francisco Bay Area without giving up equity too early on a technology venture, so I wanted you know, a couple commas of, of my own cash as opposed to, to somebody else's. But the, the main, I mean, the only way around this, and, and John, if I'm not mistaken, I think you had to do this in, in your early days here, is to find a way to to, uh, to ensure that the initial business that you're working on is something that uh, if you had to, you could bring in dollars in, you know, week number two or three. So what is it that you could sell uh, in terms of products or services um, that you could have kind of that initial traction with anything that's going to involve a, a huge amount of runway and a tremendous amount of investment until you eventually can make a first sale. Those are generally not bootstrap ventures. So tech emergence is, is definitely in that latter category. So I could not have made money on day one. But, you know, science of skill, John, kind of like yourself, we were selling expertise on the Internet. We were basically, you know, filming video courses and then selling that. All you need is, you know, 100 email opt ins. Um, maybe a couple sources of traffic of friends who are willing to post for you on Facebook and, you know, a, a little PayPal button and, and a video camera. And all of a sudden, you know, on your second week, if you hustle really hard, you, know, you make yourself a couple thousand bucks and get a little Internet business, you know, started off the ground. So I think the critical factor is, is this something where I could start to bring in dollars, you know, in my first, uh, you know, month or so? Um, and ensuring that it's a business model that can get a yes from that question. And science of skill was my answer to sort of a bootstrap cash flow to fund a bigger dream. Dan, as entrepreneurs, all we have is time. So I think it's so important to come up with automation systems, processes as early as possible yeah. to, to free up you know, the time, especially when you know, we're not taking money, so we can't hire people and do this and do that. So how can we as entrepreneurs automate key business processes so that we can free up our time and make stuff happen? This is huge. Excellent question. And I am kind of fanatical about this. Our last interview way back in the day was when Science of Skill was doing maybe 45 grand a month or so. When we sold it, we were doing well over 200 grand uh, a month in revenue. And a lot of that actually, you know, you'd think it was just elbow grease. A lot of it was like automating manual stuff that shouldn't have taken as much darn time as it did. Like you said, all you have is time in the early days as an entrepreneur. So one critical factor here, I could go into you know automating email sequences and automating dashboarding and all that stuff. I'd rather touch on a main lesson that I think was really critical for me to kind of grow up and accept 
this factor of, of really turning things into systems. And that is that in general, John, at least this has been my experience, if you want to take less time doing something, you generally have to take two or three times more time to do it once or twice and really refine it and work out the kinks um, and ensure that that's something that you can replicate and then turn that into a process. I've almost never said, hey, I want to automate the way that we are um, spending our email traffic or interacting with our affiliates. And then 20 minutes later, I have a process. Generally, it's a big, long brainstorm, but it's a very fruitful one. We work out, we work with it for a couple months. We figure out what the kinks are. We grind them out. We figure out what the kinks are. We grind them out. So systems are not something you plug in. I think systems are something you work very hard at and then you smooth out, smooth out, smooth out. And if you're lucky, two months later, you're never thinking about that thing that used to take you six hours a week. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's kind of the goal. But I, I think it is important, John, for your audience, and I know it was for me because I did not accept this early on, to digest the fact that you will not think of a system, email, traffic, reporting, whatever, uh, you know, rip out a first draft in 20 minutes and all of a sudden have this be something you don't have to think about. It's going to be hard thinking up front and then weeks of being deliberate about working out the kinks. But, but you've got to be a little bit dedicated uh, in order to get things totally off your plate as an entrepreneur. And I think it's easy to just stay busy. But that was a big lesson for me. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs want to be able to run their business from where they want to run their business. You know, maybe that's a beach in Costa Rica. You know, maybe that's somewhere in Asia. Maybe that's, you know, in their hometown, whatever it might be. And, you know, they also may want to hire people. Like, for instance, we have a couple of people in the Philippines. I have one um, direct assistant that's in Pakistan. So how can entrepreneurs actually manage a, manage a business, even if they're thousands of miles away? Definitely. And this is something that I had to do with, uh, with science of skill. So, um, you know, we're handling a lot of transaction volume, you know, uh, eight or 12,000 purchases in a given month. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm 3000 miles from the nearest, uh, team member contractor for the team. So I was definitely in the same boat when I moved out here to the West coast. I think probably the most critical thing, John, is to develop a regimen in terms of, uh, meetings and touching base with the team. So certainly everybody on your team will have to have a role that's defined so they know exactly what their their sort of executed goals are. Preferably all of your team members would have a way that their uh, performance is measured. So your customer service guy would have, you know, ticket reply time metrics. He would have um, customer satisfaction metrics, you know, in, in, a, in a form of a percentage that could come from Zendesk or some other system. Your person who handles affiliates would, you know, be responsible for a certain number of clicks or something. So to have KPIs uh, is something that becomes more and more critical when you don't have that osmosis factor of kind of poking somebody because you're walking past them every day. I didn't have the luxury of doing that, John. I know you don't either. Um, so I think the critical things are make sure your team members have specific things that they're responsible for, specific metrics that they've got to hit so that they know that that they've got to get that done whether they talk to you or not. And then very importantly, a regimen of consistent communication. If, if you have remote folks and you kind of chat with them when you need to, I've always found that things sort of fall apart there and that the camaraderie and the constant communication that sort of builds this uh, same team feel, that, that builds the contextual knowledge within a team, sort of dwindles unless there's at least a weekly uh, time to communicate regularly about the core priorities of their role. Um, so some people you're going to need daily calls. Some people you're going to, I find anybody critical to the team, I would need at least a half hour to one hour critical weekly call yeah. uh, to keep the camaraderie up and keep the the accountability up. So in terms of managing remote, I'd say week, you know, um, 
regimens of communication and meetings and also key and critical KPIs and a clear line of sight as to their priorities. If you have those, then heck, you can have folks, you know, all over the world working for you, but so long <laughs> as they've got their, their arrow pointed straight. It's critical, critical fire nation. And if you think these value bombs have been great, well, we have some more coming for you as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. Can I ask you a question? Are you suffering from LBNI? Don't feel scared. That's just an acronym for learning but never implementing. You know I love my acronyms. And if your answer is yes, then great news because my friend Billie Jean has the perfect solution. Grab a pen or turn on some major memory power. On August 31st, 2017, Billie Jean is hosting a private workshop for marketers and entrepreneurs at the Hard Rock Hotel in downtown San Diego. He's laying it all on the table and has one goal in mind, to have every attendee leave with a Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube ad ready to launch. What? So if you're ready to kick LBNI to the curb, visit buildadswithbilly.com and reserve your spot today. This workshop is almost sold out, so be sure to check it out at buildadswithbilly.com. Without great talent, it is tough to run a successful business. Teams are at the center of great projects, big ideas, and speedy implementation but we all know it can be tough to find great talents. That's why ZipRecruiter is such a valuable resource. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their technology matches the right people to your job. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. The best part, no juggling emails or calls. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates. You can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free today. That's right, free. Just visit ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. And one more time, to try it for free, visit ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. So Dan, we're back and we've been talking a lot about running a business, you know, running a team, doing all these things. What's the best way to actually set up some dashboards so that we can drive growth? You know, we've talked about KPIs, like what have you found that's been most successful for you? Definitely. And and this is going to depend business to business. One thing that I would really recommend here, John, uh, as much as, you know, it's neat to talk about, you know, things that I've learned uh, the, the, some of the, the better lessons that I got in this department and generally in business is to look at who's in my shoes, but doing as well as I'd like to do. So whatever my next step was, you know, in science of skill, when I was doing 50 grand, maybe I want to look at somebody who's doing, you know, uh, half a million a month or so, someone who's, who's got a real good leg up and ask, um, what is it that they're tracking on a regular basis? So a lot of my best ideas for what to dashboard came from people who were dashboarding and tracking metrics at a level that was significantly higher than mine, not too far ahead of mine, but, but significantly far ahead. So for, for every business, for anybody who's tuned in, John, um, to find a way to w- network and whittle into conversations with people who are at the level you want to be at, figure out what they're tracking. Because if you just go on Google, I, I functionally guarantee you're not going to get insights at the same level. Mm. So that's that's a good place to start. Um, but for me, John, I was more in sort of the um, B2C uh, e-commerce space. If you want to, I can just riff a little bit on what- A little riff would be nice. Awesome. So um, my business for everybody tuned in at, at, at uh, when I was at Science of Skill uh, running that company, 
um, right up until this February here. Uh, the most important critical metrics for us, we were a recurring revenue sort of subscription-based, membership-based um, online product and video sales company. So a lot of e-commerce, mostly email marketing. Critical numbers for us, we're looking at our current number of active subscribers uh, and how many folks we had lost and gained in the last seven days. So generally, um, we didn't like to see that number fluctuate more than maybe two or three percent. You know, we had however many thousands of people it was paying, you know, thirty-seven or fifty-seven dollars a month, um, and we had that sort of number of total subscribers, and we would look at how many did we lose and how many did we gain in a given week. Ultimately, that recurring rev was really the ground floor of our revenue for any given month. That was eighty something percent of our revenue generally, sometimes seventy-five, but generally around eighty percent of our revenue. So having a, a constant pulse on uh, not just the current number, but how many do we gain and how many w would we lose? This would let us know, was there anything we did wrong to lose a lot of people this past week, or was there anything we did right to gain as many people as we did last week? And we could calibrate what affected that core number, which honestly, John, that was sort of what made sure we had profit every month. So um, memberships gained and lost, and then current actives was sort of very, very big for us. Um, and then we also tracked all the other critical metrics related to e-commerce. I'll touch on maybe two or three that were really important that kind of as the owner of the business, even if I wasn't able to be there for the meetings because I was working on another company or something, I would still want to see these numbers every darn week. Um, and this would be revenue broken out by our product categories. We would look at that every week. We would look at refunds broken out by product categories because that's kind of a metric for customer satisfaction. We obviously want everybody to be happy with what they're buying. Yeah, and real quick, Dan, I want to jump in. Like, I think yeah. a key thing when looking at these numbers personally, and I like your feedback on this, is having a nice, real handy percentage next to it, you know, of red or green, like up or down. Like, is this up from last week? Is this down from last week? So it just keeps that one little glimpse that you know, hey, we're trending in the right direction or wrong direction. Where are these flags being thrown up? Completely critical, John. So conditional formatting in, in Google Sheets would be uh, uh, sort of the the way that we pulled a lot of this stuff off. So yeah, looking at, um, okay, our revenue from, let's say, our physical products, you know, uh, DVDs or, or self-defense knives or whatever we were selling, um, you know, is, is this trending up or down based on sort of, again, automatic conditional formatting? It's pretty easy to uh, set up something in Google Sheets where you can see the numbers that are largest are colored a certain color. The numbers that are smallest are colored a certain color. There's a lot of customizations there. So yeah, certainly for us, all of those things were important uh, in in sort of bearing in mind. Um, and finding those critical ratios is really important too, John. So uh, speaking of of important ratios, for science of skill, for example, you know, in terms of ratios we'd really want to see, we'd want to look at um, what was the uh, the amount of volitional sales dollars that we drove from our own internal emails, so not rebilling, but how many sales did we make just from sending out our own emails, and then how many opens did we get that that week? And now, now the the metric to derive there is okay based on how many clicks we drove, how many dollars per click did we drive when we were sending to our own site? So that's an example of kind of a a broken out spliced metric that doesn't exist in any system, but it's something that's a percentage or a factor of something else. And like you said, John, you want to know what's trending up and what's trending down. So um, most businesses, just as kind of a lesson for everybody tuned in, and again, the best way to find this is to talk to people who are two or three steps ahead of you. But most businesses will boil down to a handful of the most critical metrics. And it, generally speaking, I would say, uh, if there's anything to prioritize, really get down to the 80-20. You know, for us, it was all about subscription revenue, and it was all about uh, being able to monitor our engagement via email. And so we had metrics that nailed the ever-loving heck out of that. 
And for you, whoever you are, listener tuned in, um, look at people two or three steps ahead of you. There's going to be things that really matter minute to minute for their bottom line. And there's going to be other things that are nice to have. My advice, John, if you're just for folks who are just starting off with dashboards, don't overwhelm yourself with 50 metrics. Find three that are going to be genuinely useful and let that wet your whistle and get you addicted to numbers. Because once you do go in, as you probably know, John, you, you really can't go back. It's such a helpful thing. Absolutely. And Dan, one thing about you is you're a really high energy guy. I mean, that's why you've been able to run multiple businesses at the same time. So for other Fire Nation listeners out there who are doing that right now, who are juggling a few businesses, or maybe you're thinking about it, like what are some really important strategies to make sure you can manage multiple businesses successfully? When I talked about kind of meeting regimens, this became all the more important when I was juggling um, two companies. So if you're going to manage more than one business, um, number one, if you don't have some kind of a dashboard or numbers or pulse whereby you can have an understanding of whether your business is doing well or not this week, uh, and it really has to be bare minimum on a, on a weekly basis, then it's very hard to let that part of your mind go to sleep and focus on something else. So for me, John, science of skill was the business making the money, and tech emergence is my life purpose. So those are sort of... Uh, you know, that's a, that's a tough pull there. You know, you, you want to work on your life purpose or do you want to pay your bills? You know, it's like you really want to do both in order to not focus on science of skill. I found that I had to make my head go to sleep. And the only way I could do that was know concretely with numbers that things are moving in the right direction. Or if things weren't moving in the right direction, the right employees or team members are working on those critical elements. Then I found myself able to take a walk and read a darn book without thinking <laughs> about my business every five seconds. And and that, that whole walk and read a book thing translates to freeing up my head to work on other companies. So in order to spend a whole Thursday not even looking at science of skill and just focusing on, you know, doing some interviews with AI executives at Facebook or driving down to you know, eBay headquarters and interviewing some cool AI people or something. In order to do that without my mind clouded with my other companies, I would need to have the numbers. And the other critical thing here, John, I would say would be those meeting regimens as well. There was a time where, um, and maybe you had a phase like this too, John, or maybe you're a little bit more mature than I, but there was, there was a time where we were kind of like Skyping anecdotally, frantically with whoever on the team we kind of wanted to whenever we thought of something because we didn't really have systems or processes down pat. So it's science of skill, you know, a bunch of different team members, you know, graphic design folks out in the Far East, uh, you know, people across the U.S., and w where we would just kind of ping and fling stuff at each other. You know, we'd had a weekly meeting, but then we would just kind of ping and fling. And that became something where everybody was kind of expected to be on edge all the time. And that becomes hard for your employees. It becomes very hard for you as an employer, especially if you want to juggle other businesses. So for me to have those designated times where, hey, I talk to this employee on this Wednesday every week. And I'm also going to talk to him on all of our morning calls for half an hour. And if, any, if there's any emergencies, he'll tell me in that morning call. If not, I'm going to hang up that phone. I'm going to go work on my other business and I'm going to feel good about it. So having a pulse that's under control, not communication that spills into every corner of your life, but communication that's in the right bucket at the right times and lets you know if, if things are right or wrong and move right along with your mind into whatever your other venture is without core metrics and without a regimen of controlled communication, not frantic communication, I would never have been able to juggle two companies. Dan, let's end today on fire, brother. Are you giving us a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. 
I would say, John, you know, you and I were touching on the importance of systems. I imagine even just since you and I have chatted last, I know how much I've learned in business. I imagine <laughs> you've systematized and, and I see already all, all the things that are different about your company now than right. they were when you and I chatted last. So uh, even the, the, the flow to get on the show, I was like, nice, John's got some great processes in place. Like, look <laughs> at all this, right? So, um, and, and that took you a while, John. And I'll be honest, I wish I could say that as soon as I started Science of Skill, I, I was right into process land. Um, but uh, but yet, I mean, the the grind of the the very volitional sort of full mind engaging process of determining those systems that will then become the backbone of your business is a worthwhile investment of time. I would admonish any uh, founders who are tuned in now, entrepreneurs who are tuned in now, who know that there are things that take up way too much darn time and they really do need to find a time to automate them. Um, to research that, set aside time to really build out what an ideal process would be, and every single week refine that process until that thing that takes up six hours of your week takes up 30 minutes. And after you do it and you do that long grind, it's so annoying when you're an entrepreneur, you want to work, 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 but putting that focus on processes, whether it's your marketing systems or whatever, and systematizing that first process, it becomes something you can't let go of. And to be honest, it's it's super duper critical uh, to growing and, and being profitable, just like you had at uh sort of mentioned there, John. So that would be kind of a, a parting lesson I'd really, really, really want uh, your listeners to tune into. Fire Nation, you got to work smarter. I mean, a lot of people say, John, you are the hardest working person in the podcasting field. And that might have been true at one point, but now because of my systems, it's frankly, it's not. I mean, I work a couple of days a month on the podcast. I have 15 interviews, two days per month. So I do 30 interviews in two days, Fire Nation. Just rock them up rock them down, make it happen. And then the other 28, 29 days of the month, I'm able to work on other things in my business, writing books, doing webinars, doing ventures, you name it, I'm doing it. And relaxing, exercising, having fun, you know, learning about nutrition, doing all these things. So processes are key for sanity of life. And Dan, how can we best connect with you? Yeah, for sure. For, for people who are into the system side of stuff, John, I still actually do a good deal of blogging and writing on this. So learned a lot in growing and selling science of skill, learned a ton in internet business. Um, the place where I still write about that is called clvboost.com, stands for customer lifetime value. So clvboost.com is basically my blog. Uh, the only white paper I have on, on the site, which I think is on the homepage, is basically the email automation processes that we use to, to get to six figures and then get to seven figures. So clvboost is sort of my blog there. Uh, the white paper there is probably useful for your folks tuned in. So that's one spot. Um, and then we did actually, John, you and I touched briefly on, on artificial intelligence. Yeah. Techemergence.com is that site. I'll, I'll send you an email afterwards, John, of, of a report that we recently Ooh. did on sort of the next five-year implications of AI and marketing, sort of the businesses to be impacted, um, the types of industries that are most likely to see its influence and sort of what that means for business and, and online business specifically. Um, I'll, I'll send that along as a link. But I would say for folks interested in automation and want to see kind of the stuff we did at Science of Skill, clvboost.com would be the main spot. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with DF and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Daniel in the search bar and his show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz, timestamps, links galore. You'll be able to check out Dan's episode 711 on EO Fire. Where we talked about a totally different number of topics, his journey, etc. And of course, check out clvboost.com and techemergence.com. Daniel, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you, brother, and we will catch you on the flip side. Glad to be here, John. Thanks. 
Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Daniel today. And a productivity, discipline, and focus, those are my three greatest strengths, and they can be yours too. Visit themasteryjournal.com, master all three skills in 100 days, and use promo code podcast for a nice little discount. I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified candidates. You can post your job on ZipRecruiter for free today. Just visit ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. If you suffer from learning but never implementing, then great news. My friend Billy Jean has the cure because on August 31st, 2017, he's hosting a private workshop for marketers and entrepreneurs, and he's got one goal in mind, to have every attendee leave with a Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube ad ready to launch. Visit buildadswithbilly.com and reserve your spot today.